uh, believe that, that if they try their absolute best to be very good, there is a person who will show up and give them gifts. The idea is that if they, they work hard to maintain his approval, then he will be good to them in return for their deeds. We, we think of him as a, as a source of good cheer for renewing our spirits when we are down. The, the thought uh, of him and, and how he may give us what we want, uh, if, he may not give us what we want if we misbehave, basically keeps us in line. We, we trust that even though we make lots of mistakes along the way, he will be lenient and accept our best efforts as good enough, kindly giving us the things we want because we tried hard to be good. I'm, of course, talking about the way that even some Christians think about God. Even if we know better. Even if we would articulate our held beliefs very differently than that. Lots of committed believers go through life thinking that God is always looking over their shoulder, taking account of whether everything they do is naughty or nice, and using that list to assess how good to you he will be in light of how well you have done. I'm very consciously aware that for various reasons and in diverse ways, the past year or two has been very difficult on a great many people. And we come into this sort of final stretch of this year, and I think lots of people reflect on that. And how well we cope with those highs or lows in life will depend, at least in part, upon where we think God is in our troubles. Do we believe that God is so-called upstairs, checking his list about how well we've done, resulting in, resulting in our struggles because we've displeased him? Or is there a more help, hopeful and helpful way that we might consider how the Lord relates to us in trial? Well, believer, I hope that our reflections here today might remind you that whatever difficulties may be behind, before, or upon you, even despite your failures to be good, the Lord of hosts loves you so much that he always stands ready and committed to be good to and ha- good to you and has made that clear, most clear, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we take our cue for our time together today from Christ's words in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Most 
people do think about their lives and what's happened here as the year closes, giving us good opportunity to think about how we might drink deeply of this sort of rest as we look ahead. Can a light yoke as we press forward? And so the main point is that Christ invites you to be free of your burdens. Christ invites you to be free of your burdens. We're going to think about this in three points. God's way, the world's way, and the gospel's way. God's way, the world's way, and the gospel's way. So first, let's think together about God's way. I think it's, yeah, this is one of those things that I think it's easy for believers to dismiss this whole problem of thinking poorly about God's commitment to be good to his people, since we might just conclude, well, I, I know better, and, and ultimately what I need to do is just remind, we need to remind ourselves better about the truth. That's really the solution. This is a simple thing. But, but do you see the problem with that already? Right? It, the premise is, if I do well enough at reminding myself of the truth, well then, I'll know God's goodness in my life. And so when we, we dismiss the problem like that, uh, it leads directly back to the problem. And so we have to Think more about it together. I, I wonder if you've ever helped somebody move house. Um, it always involves lots of lots of boxes that have to get from one place to another, uh, and we need to and and things that need to be sorted into the proper room where they'll go when they get there, right? And now people who are well organized, well, they label their boxes according to, to what's inside the boxes, to, to help them keep track of, of where various things need to end up in their new home. This one's for the, the kitchen. This one's for the bedroom. This one's for the, the lounge. Whatever it, it may be. And when, when boxes are, are labeled like this, you, as the, the moving helper, well, then you get a glimpse into what you're going to be hauling around, don't you? And we, we probably, if, if you've helped someone move, we, we probably all know this kind of internal conflict. When you see two boxes side by side, one labeled books and one labeled pillows, which, which one am I gonna take? And kind of the obvious one that we, we'd rather carry is, is the pillows. And, and yet I think most of us feel some some sort of push that the right choice for whatever reason is to take this heavier box and i just suggest to us that so many times we we act the same way in our relationship with god we we've been studying through galatians haven't we so, uh, a book so clearly about a group of Christians who who thought the gospel of free grace was actually just too easy. That that can't be the box I choose. That can't be the right option. Right? 
And so they chose the box of books by, by adding conditions of law-keeping as prerequisites for salvation. And I think we take a heavy yoke on ourselves. We carry the box of books when we come to believe, for whatever reason, that, that our hard times come upon us because we are not pleasing enough to the Lord. Does God ever discipline his children? Of course he does, but that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about long seasons of, of difficulty or, or intense problems. We think that the weight is on us because we chose the heavy box for ourselves by our failures. If I had just been better, God would be better to me. We think God has given us a heavy load because we're not good enough for it. But what should we think, what should we actually think that trials mean about how God thinks about us? Well, let's take a look at verses 25 and 26. Jesus is praying. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Now, let's, let's think carefully about the, the implications of Jesus' prayer here. At first, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a clear connection about God's sovereignty and, and how he, Jesus underscored that only those to whom God chose to reveal the truth would understand the gospel. And so one fruitful course could be to think about election. But that's not really what we're going to do here. At least not explicitly. Because more pointedly for our purposes, we see here how God rests his favor upon those whom we would least expect by worldly standards. You see that? If if God was good to people because he made a list, checked it twice to see who's naughty or nice, well then, everything we could see about someone would indicate that these religious leaders from whom God has hidden the truth, well, they should deserve God's gifts of overflowing favor from everything we can tell. But what does Jesus say happened? Well, in contrast to all the expectations, in contrast to what everybody thought should be the case, Jesus said that reality didn't match the appearances. God withheld his favor from those who appeared to deserve it most if we entertain the possibility of that sort of thing for argument's sake. What does that tell you then about the nature of God's favor? 
Well, God's way is to reveal himself to children rather than the wise. Because, because his grace is the fundamental consideration for being good to people. His grace is his fundamental reason for why he is good to people. God does not tally up naughty and nice points, but gives himself freely to those who don't deserve it. That brings us to our second point, the world's way. Well, in light of everything we've thought about, what, what should we make of the idea that God is good to good people, leaving us to carry the weight of all of our troubles? We should see that it flies in the face of how God treats his people. Perhaps the, the lingering question then is, if our best, if our best efforts don't prompt God to favor us, well what does? For a, a short time, several years ago, uh, there, there was a, when, when GPS was just becoming readily available, there was a fad called geocaching, right? And, and so at this moment when everybody was kind of able to have uh, a GPS device, basically like we all have on our phones today, but for the first time in a, in a handheld version, uh, people made a game out of it, right? Geocaching was a sort of treasure hunt uh, based around a set of coordinates. So someone has stored a, a treasure box somewhere uh, and designated it with a, 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 set of, uh, a set of precise coordinates. And, and you could just use your GPS to, to track down this location and, and go to it. Right? If, if you could find the location, you could find the treasure. Now, often, yeah, it ended up being like a list that you signed that I got to go there. But you get the point, right? The interesting thing is that you know exactly how to find the location, and get to the treasure. It's just a matter of going there. And God has put all of his grace in the Lord Jesus Christ and told us to get there by faith. All of God's goodness to his people is just a matter of going to Christ. Jesus tells us in verse 27, right? the point becomes crystal clear once you see it, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Everything. All all the premises of grace. God's overflowing love for you has been invested in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that all who might go to him would find the Lord's mercy. And Christ, indeed, takes the initiative to reveal the Father to his people. So, if we know Christ, if we know Christ, we are meant to have an easy yoke rather than a hard yoke. Why, why the question trailing out of that, as we, as we live in this world, is why then does it so often feel as though we carry a heavy burden? 
And, and we so easily think that God is punishing us for some misdeeds, giving us coal rather than blessings. Why does it feel this way? Well, because the world's yoke remains hard and its burden is heavy. And we live in this world. The culture around us teaches us that the way to stay in good graces is, is only by perpetually measuring up to the demands that are constantly changing. Think about, I mean, just, it's prevalent across the media, right? Think about how many celebrities who were formerly the media's golden children, right, have been disowned and disgraced because someone found some post on social media from 10 years ago that doesn't exactly match the the prevailing progressive agendas right now. (laughs) The world is ready to cancel you as soon as you fall short of its demands. The world has a heavy yoke for you that wants to crush you. And that tells us that it is the world's demands, it is the world's way to make you work your way into its favor. It is the world that sets demands and expects you to meet them in order to have and maintain approval. And the thing is, Christian, if, if the world works in that way, if the world works that way, you can be rest assured that God does not. God humbles the proud and gives grace to the lowly. God shatters the bow of the mighty, but comforts the smoldering wick and the bruised reed. It brings us to think about our, our final point today. The gospel's way. The gospel's way. Because we've been trying to untangle this problem of Christians carrying a, a hard yoke and a, and a heavy burden. And we, we first highlighted how, some comfort that we find in, in the surprise Perhaps a surprising contrast between whom we expect to have God's favor and and those to whom God truly reveals himself. And so your struggles as a Christian are, are not sure evidence that you are under God's disapproval. They are simply not. Rather, God loves to favor those whom we don't think he should find worthy. Christians, if if your struggles... If your struggles make you feel that you don't deserve God's favor, well, you don't. But that makes you exactly the kind of person that God loves to favor. Then we thought about how, although God locates grace in Jesus Christ so that we can access it, Well, the world 
hands you a hard yoke and asks you to meet its endless demands. The world's way makes it difficult for Christians to set down the heavy burden and believe that there's an easy yoke. Because that's not the message we hear constantly, week in and week out. Day after day. Every single day, your job says, if you perform well enough, well, you're allowed to come back and work again. And the culture says, you're allowed to participate in our fellowship if you, if you never dissent from progressive orthodoxy. Well, and also when your enemy tells you, when our enemy tells you that the true guilt of your sin is a stain upon your life, that leaves you without God's favor. Well, all of these things together, right, it becomes hard, even for Christians, to believe that there's an easier way than this. And when we stack up these factors, well, that seemingly everyone agrees that performance is the key to having favor. If we stack these things up, the the good news, the good news that God loves, receives, and favors us freely, it seems too good to be true, doesn't it? And yet, friends, that's exactly what makes the gospel such amazing news. The gospel was a stumbling block to Jews Because it didn't follow their expectations. The gospel was folly to the Gentiles because it didn't make sense. God does too much for us in this gospel. That can't be the way it is. But but doesn't that make the force of of Christ's words in, in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, all the more shocking, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, everybody who has engaged in the world's way or a religious way that has lost sight of the grace of God, those are the ones laboring and heavy laden. Come to Christ and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you tired of your burdens? Are you weary of the world's demands? Are you, are you finished feeling as though you're never good enough? Are you worn out by the never-ending actions of the culture and of your conscience? Well, if the answer is yes, Christ invites you to find rest in Him. Now, we can't wipe away That God demands perfection to have communion with Him. Right? There's that standard. But the gospel is 
good news precisely on that front too. Because Christ came and bore the hard yoke and carried the heavy burden in your place. He endured the curse of the law so that God would forgive every sin of every sinner who who would trust in the Lord Jesus and seek Him for salvation. Christ frees us from the law's demands and sets us right with God. We cannot quiet the world's furor about what it requires us to do and to be acceptable to it. That just doesn't go away. We can never do away with the world's yoke upon us in some sense, in some respect. But nonetheless, even though that's a, a system in which we have to engage to some degree or other, we have joy because that is not our only yoke. That is not even our defining yoke or the one that gives us our identity, nor it is the yoke of relating to God himself. No. What did we see when we read from Lamentations? Verse 27, it's good to bear the world's yoke. But why? Why is it good to, to have this sort of burden? Verse 31, because the Lord will not cast us off. Forever. We see the mercy that's available in the gospel as we realize the heavy load that the world gives us. And yet we can set aside the world's heavy load because we have the world's, the Lord's approval. We can set aside the world's burden because God has given us His favor. We have the more important approval. You have the most important acceptance. We can step off the running of the world's demands and find ourselves in the settled rest of Jesus Christ. Take the yoke of Christ because it is the freedom that that sets you free from all that weighs you down. And so, so we celebrate the Lord Jesus is coming that he entered this world the son of God came in our likeness because his arrival shattered the yoke that our sin put upon us when the savior came he took our heavy burden in his own arms and carried it all the way to the cross his life has provided that perfect righteousness that we all need for freedom. His death has thrown the weight off our shoulders as we take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in Him to provide all that we need. The weight of the world falls from us. Let us then celebrate the Savior, knowing that He is our reprieve. He is our redemption. And He is our rest. Let's pray. Father God, we are glad in these moments that that we do reflect upon the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that we think about how your son, because of our infirmities, because of our sin and rebellion, your son took our likeness, assumed our nature, became one of us that he might carry the burden that we created for ourselves. The weight of our sin, the curse of the law, he took it upon himself that we might have the much lighter, the freeing yoke of your favor. That we might be tied to you, yoked to you, and feel reprieve, redemption, and rest. We pray, Lord, that as we look to the week ahead, as we look to the year ahead, that we might know what it means to go to the Lord Jesus, who is gentle and lowly in heart, and find rest for our souls. We pray, Lord, that this gospel might be persuasive among us, and as we speak of it to those whom we love and know, we pray, God, that you would make it effective to bring people to trust in the Lord Jesus. And we do bring to you now